Three shots, four part, I just do two. One pup, pop four, birdie, woohoo. New driver, info, replace, M2, pop five, fairway, what you finna do? Think I'll try to get on into start right, good line, good view. It drew, shoot him, McGavin, two thumbs that's up high and two fingers pointed. The green jacket is going north of the border. Mike Weir has won the Masters. Sometimes these part three look like an island. I plunge and keep it on dry land. At least I'm a try man. I up with the five and might use the trap man. I got a chat man. I think a boss be right at All right. I am here with Terry Hashimoto. Terry, I get that right? Perfectly. Awesome. Awesome. I, uh, we met, we met through Bob Winskowitz. Uh, from Squares Golf. So Bob had connected with us, uh, said, you know, you got to get Terry on the uh, podcast. So I said, I would love to. I was explaining to Bob and we had Bryce on how bad my Canadian accent is at times. So I'm glad I got that right. That's how I start off every episode. Um, so Terry, how are you doing? Thanks for coming on. I appreciate it. No, great. And uh, Bob Winskowitz, his name is tough to pronounce, but until you say it a few times in public, then it's easy. You know, Back when I first kind of started the podcast, I was lucky. I was able to have uh, the director of club building from TXG. His name is Mike Marty Savich. And I did not ask him to pronounce the pronunciation before we had him on. And it didn't go so well. So uh, he was a really great guy. He um, he explained it to me, told me how to say it. And now I talk to Mike all the time and uh, Mike Marty Savich. So if you're ever looking to get some club building fitting done, go over and see him, Mike, at Mike TXG. So, uh, Terry, um, maybe I can just ask you. Kind of, you know, we got connected through Bob. You've got an affiliation with Squares, I guess. I've done a bit of work for them. Maybe you could just tell us about your past. I know you were in the club building or the club uh, creation business, I guess. So maybe just uh, give any of the listeners an idea who you are. Sure, no, I, I graduated from the University of Miami in 1981 and went straight into the golf business. Started the store in Winnipeg called the Caddy Shed. Ended up uh, developing another uh, a line of golf clubs called Jazz Golf. Took it public in 2000. Um, recently, 10, 12 years ago, developed the world's first inertial measuring unit, became SkyPro, and uh, was going to move into the uh, concussion uh, business, uh, developing a combination of inertial measuring units and uh, pressure mapping systems in the helmets. And uh, we decided that uh, the market really isn't that good because three reasons, parents don't want to know, coaches don't want to know, and players don't want to know. And uh, we, we converted that pressure mapping system in the golf uh, from a medical application uh, exactly to the month in September 10 years ago. And uh, we've sold 7,500 units worldwide. It's built in Winnipeg, Manitoba, Canada. And um, I met Bob uh, because he was looking for a way to validate his shoes and the performance gains thereof. And uh, right at the heat of COVID, so I never really met Bob until two weeks ago. These guys, those bad boys right there, which I wore today for the first time. I uh, was able to get a pair of the speeds, and yeah. like I kid, I kid you not, I looked at the other guys in my group, and I we were just hitting some balls on the range, and I said like these are the nicest golf shoes I've ever worn in my life. So I know that uh, like when we were talking, Bob, you saying you know the square toe and all the different things, like uh, you just got to try them. And he said, send in some out. Put them on your feet. Give them a try. Let me know what you think. And uh, I can confidently say those are they're they're easily the best quality shoes I've ever seen. Um, like as far as like a golf shoe goes, and they're so comfortable. They're unbelievably comfortable. So the the laces 
alone are one reason why people should buy the shoes. They're easy to, once you tighten them up, they're, they're fixed in position, but yep. there's a massive amount of science behind it if you're interested in that. Yeah, that's what, um, we, we got into it with, uh, with Bob a little bit and we were talking about, um, some of the, the spike placements and stuff like that. So if, if you don't mind, Terry, if you could explain some of the, uh, yeah, the sure. pressure mapping with some of that. Well, in pressure mapping, the top three flaws in golf and pressure mapping are too much pressure in the toes. Okay. Old guys like me don't get pressure to the inside quick enough, and young kids like you back up too much in their hands. And Bob has been following pressure mapping for the last little while, and, and, and a lot of the things that we say, my, my slogan is, the toes are the brakes, the heels are the accelerators, and the ankles are the propulsion system and shock absorbers, which is right in the squares off around this multi. So when you free up the toes, it's like when you squeeze your hand, as you when you talk to Bob, and when you squeeze your hand, it creates tension, Right. And you really have no range of motion in your hand. And when your toes are kind of curled down and they're locked in there, it tightens up your feet and you've got no range of motion in your feet. Your ankles are really stiff. But when the toes are curled up or allowed to be free in that square boot there, it, it really allows the ankle to be effective. The, the first thing we saw was is that the square shoe, the center of mass was closer to the heel than any other shoe we saw. Now, what's interesting about that Mac, and you're a, good, you're a good golfer, so if you put all your pressure in your trail toe, you're a right-handed golfer? Lefty. All right, so put all your pressure into your left toe and try to take the club back. That right. restricts it. If you put all your pressure into your left heel, you'll feel that range of motion increase. So what the squares do does, shoes do, is because they get the pressure more to the heel, it allows the range of motion in your knees, shoulders, and hips to be increased. And that's something that we were able to validate using 3D in conjunction with body track. We saw the pressure went to the inside of the trail heel. When you get, I want to do this because you're a lefty, when you get outside of your left foot on the way back, you can't recover. Right. Because now you've got, you're, you're stuck. You're, you're pronating. With the, with the square shoes, because of the stable boot, it keeps the pressure on the inside of the trail heel longer and allows you to get to the lead side faster, which is the number one way to gain distance. And it turns out when we started measuring and validating the distance games by launch, it, it, the performance numbers were just absolutely stunning. Yeah, like today... I was saying, like, I, I didn't know my way around the course. I played, uh, like, a newer uh, course called Wooden Sticks. I hadn't played there before. But one of the things that I noticed when we were first on the range was uh, the ability to kind of transfer. And then as I went through my follow-through, this stability, like, where I, I'm kind of like a like, I, I wouldn't say I'm a, I have a perfect swing by any means, but I'll, I'll step out of a shot here and there. But today, it just felt it just felt clean. It just felt normal. Like, you called me a young guy, but I, I'm getting up there. So it's hard to, like, hold my balance as well as I used to. I still hit the ball a long way off the tee. So it was nice to kind of be able to hold my paws a little bit. Um, and I had mentioned uh, just before we hopped on the call here that uh, – this past weekend, I actually was able to connect with uh, with Jake McNulty and, and go out and play on a Canadian Tour event. And uh, not he was playing on the event; I was just carrying the bag. So, uh, <laughs> so he's used the the body track system, and I noticed that he had had it on his like Instagram before. And right. so it made me very curious to kind of have that conversation with you because I, I I noticed how it transfers from you know well left if you're left or righty it doesn't really matter, but it transfers from the heel or the back foot into the, into the front. he's a very analytical teacher. Like, uh, you know, I'm kind of an analytical guy myself, so it's kind of cool to hear that stuff. I, I like to hear it, but maybe we can, uh, roll into that. I know the 
the Canadian tour is rolling down to PEI, and that's where you are. That's correct. In fact, uh, all of uh, several of my old friends from the Canadian tour are, are, have uh, reached out to me on Instagram and uh, Facebook, etc. So I'm looking forward to somewhat of a reunion with some of those guys. But, nice. Um, the, 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 the number one way to gain distance is to get pressure from the inside of the trail heel to the lead side fairly quick. And, and if you ever look at a fast car like a Ferrari or yep. a Porsche, or, they've all got big brakes. And fast cars have big brakes. And the cool thing about the square shoes are is they're a very, very stable platform. Yes. They've got the largest amount of surface contact area between the two transverse arches. The transverse arches are the ball of your foot okay. and where the ankle joins the foot. So right in that area there between the laces, that's really the area where you really want to make sure you've got a lot of contact surface area and the spikes need to be in the right location. And that's really where square shoes shine is on that braking mechanism because you felt like you said, you said that you felt like you were more stable at impact and you really were. And that's because of the of the contact surface areas that the square shoes provide, allowing you to brake harder on your lead side. And when you stop fast on your lead side, that allows your hands to rapidly accelerate past impact. And that's what generates more distance. And, and it's really unbelievably that simple. Well, and going back to Jake, so after he played the third round, so Saturday, he had mentioned that, um, like, he's a bigger guy. And... Uh, he was he was mentioning how his his foot is kind of um like he was wearing a brand where his foot was kind of falling over the edge almost and it didn't allow him to feel stable at all so he's actually moving down to uh i think he's moving down to florida and i told him i said uh check out squares like have a look at them because they're four i think bob had mentioned they're four millimeters wider than any golf show on the market currently too right so uh, I don't know if that's completely accurate. I think I think he had said four millimeters. So I said it's just going to give you that platform, you know, to have a bit more stability, especially if you are naturally a bigger guy, because some of the shoes are built so lean, right? Like I've tried on like some Nikes and stuff like that, and they're very thin, right? So um, back to the Canadian tour, are you going to get out and watch some of the events? I think so. But uh, it's um, I'm not sure what they're allowing to for, uh, but but I'm I'm sure I'll find a way. It's it's very close to my cabin. Nice. And, um, it's, and, you know, it, it's, we're, I'm double vacked and I'm 100%. And I've already traveled up to the States once already. So Very good. I'm 100% confident that we'll be able to sell all to our friends. And uh, But I'm just not sure what the McKenzie Tour is allowing well, um, players to get out of their huddle. Um, so, yeah. On the on the Sunday, there were a couple hundred fans there, or so I'd say uh, by the end of the day on Sunday. So it was it was pretty cool. It was such a good experience to kind of get in the ropes and see some of those players play because they are absolutely incredible. Um, the, the, I should mention, Matt, the the one thing that you you you, you described, I I think is really worth noting. Yeah, absolutely. Is is the uppers when you have a soft upper in a shoe, like a running shoe type upper? Yeah, you have almost no. Um, stability on a uh, lateral rotational basis. There's nothing there for the, your foot to remain constant in one spot. And the one thing that all great players have in common is their pressure trace. It's very they have excellent dynamic balance. It's interesting on, on a on a wide track pressure mapping basis is the best trace in an iron is straight back straight through. We call that linear. And um, with, with a with a stable shoe, it's much easier to obtain that linear trace than it is with a shoe that's got a very soft upper. Very important to notice because a lot of guys mis misinterpret a comfort 
for energy burn, okay? If you have a very soft upper and your foot's moving all over the place, you're actually burning more energy. So even though, like, you look like a fairly big guy to me, I'm stalking myself. I'm sure you weigh over 180. And if you were walking, if you were walking nine holes and your foot was moving all over the place, because the, 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 the upper is loose, you're burning more energy than if you had a stable platform like in the squares. And we did some good testing on that too for Bob. He found that kind of fascinating, actually. So have you used the squares right on the body track system that you had, that you had created? Yes, we used, but we used, we tested about 300 golfers in total wow. over a, over a 10 week period. And the average, the average distance game we saw really, we, 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 we didn't publish the, the, the maximum distance games. We published the average and we had to throw away the, the super high ones because it would have, it looked, wouldn't have looked like it's the truth. Right. But on, on average, eight yards was the distance gain that we saw with uh, golfers at all levels. Now, what's interesting, though, Matt, is that I, I followed up on, on several of, the, of what I thought were the guys that we should follow up on. We've seen distance gains up to 17 to 22 yards, um, and, and, and that's legit. We saw guys, and it really depended on what type of shoes they were coming out of and what type of golfer they were. So if we saw a guy that was really moving around laterally, just crazy motion, and wearing a soft running type shoe upper, when we put him in the square shoes, we saw like ridiculous distance gains, but we didn't include them in, the, in that data set because it really kind of, it, it looked like we were like almost creating an ad for them, when in fact, yeah, we were doing an independent research project for them. And, and I've, that, that's really what I became interested in talking about. Well, I, I'm thinking of two players specifically. So the first one is Bryce. Um, unfortunately, I couldn't make it all in the call tonight, but uh, Bryce is my cousin. He chatted with, with uh, Bob and I. And um, like I posted a, a reel the other day from Bryce. So he, he's probably 6'4", I don't know, 180 pounds, really lean guy. And I've golfed with him a handful of times recently. And I can honestly tell you, I, I think he had a an average driving distance of somewhere between 330 and 340 yards. Like it was insane. I hit the ball a long way and he was 20, 30 yards past me every single drive. Um, like nothing I've seen while well, I got to play with some pro players. So it was kind of cool there to see some pro players. So I'm interested to see how they will benefit a player at that type of elite uh, level of golf, like, cause he is, you know, pretty much a scratch golfer, I'd say. And, and then I'm thinking of my friend Curtis, who was out with us uh, earlier he is new to golf, uh, just been in the game a couple of years, but he has, um, like a lot of us Canadians, he's got a very hockey type of swing, right? So he does rock back and then he yeah. rocks forward, which really hurts him in his drive. Like, so we all start off, you know, on a par four or five hitting our driver typically. So that's where he struggles the most and what he's kind of trying to hone in on his game. And I'm thinking of how much he's probably rolling back too much where he's rolling like out of the shoe, kind of like right, you're saying. Right. So I would like to, I would like to see a player like that benefit them. And I think that's probably where you saw those huge numbers at times as well was kind of newer golfers who are, who have a lot of movement in their swing with these shoes kind of stabilizing them. Cause one of the things I can say now wearing them is that they do keep you in line. Like you don't, you're, you're, you're very kind of planted and you are able to get from your trail, like you said, your heel, like your trail side all the way forward, like as fast as possible. Right. So 
I, I'm curious. Like it definitely, I, I believe it. I believe it. I want to check them out. So, um, but yeah, sorry. I kind of, I kind of jumped in on you there. Terry. Uh, there's a guy from Ontario. He's finished playing golf now on a professional level. His name is Rod Spill. Uh, he won the Canadian Amateur twice. He played pro golf. Uh, he, tried, he played, did pretty well in the senior tour there. Uh, just finished about a year ago, maybe two years ago. Uh, but Spittle was about six foot five, and I ran into him at TPC Sawgrass about uh, three or four years ago. Rod's a perfect example of a guy that's tall. And uh, and what's interesting about tall guys is typically their driver is their worst club, and it's because they're scared to move laterally. Right. And not all tall guys, but most tall guys, their driver, their fairy woods, they love because they can control it. They they but but their long their long their driver. They're scared to move laterally because they're out of balance so quickly, and that's where square shoes really will help that gentleman, that your your brace, your your friend that's six foot four. And with regards yeah. to the beginners, absolutely. Uh, when you get when you see a, a, a hockey player, a, a guy type move around, and especially because they're they're, they're slap shotting it, it's going to give them the increased ability in the trail side, allowing them to move the pressure to the lead side very early. But great hockey players know how to break because. The, a properly executed slap shot, although we don't use slap shots too much anymore, you must break on the lead side in order to hit that shot properly. And that's what, that, you know, you basically stop, you, you, you turn your lead skate in, and and then that's kind of how you do it with golf, too. Yeah, and I, I guess that's just what I'm thinking of with the very strong grip, and it's kind of like you can just tell it's kind of like taking like a little little snapshot or something like his swing and he he's working really hard on his game so i think i'm, I'm going to encourage him to check them out because i think uh, i don't know if he's the same size as me but even just to throw them on for a minute just to see how they feel but i did want to terry kind of go back to you you created jazz golf and i i've seen quite a few um like so I was born in 1987 so <laughs> i'm uh, i'm thinking you came out in the early 2000s with jazz was it uh well yeah jazz reached its peak in around 2002 three I got out of it in 2005 it's still out there but we were um, originally we had 1300 green grass accounts which is pretty much two thirds of all the golf courses in Canada and um, then when Golf Town came on the scene Golf Town picked up our line and nice. and our, our green grass business kind of faded away and we we were servicing more of the golf. You know, we were, Oshawa had a, I, I think you got your first golf town in and around, I want to say seven, eight years ago. Yeah, that would be about, that'd be about right. I can picture it because uh, I peaked about the same time as jazz by the sounds of it. So when I was about, <laughs> when I was about 15, 16 years old, my game peaked and, uh, I kind of took a bit of time off it, played some hockey and stuff like that. I got into playing baseball a bit more, uh, bit more i guess actively anyway but uh i've always played golf just i never pursued it to that level where you know i'm realizing now that i i probably should have given it a bit more effort but uh yeah i think i peaked at that time too but um back in the shaft business though i'll tell you mac we built the first series of shafts called swingbalance.com and it's the first shaft ever to use the ground reaction forces for determining the proper load on load patterns in a shaft, and, it, and it's being built for us in Canada by Acro Shafts out of Burlington. And, nice. Um, so the combination of footwear and shafts is a really an important application that body track very uh, well lends itself to providing objective data for. Okay, so a couple things we got to go back to that because that 
that absolutely fascinates me. So right now Bryce is uh like he's playing an acro shaft, actually the Cam Smith um or sorry, Cam Champ spec, and he loves yeah. it. Like he absolutely loves that. So can you explain to me how that kind of happens and how the shaft is built? Like is I sure. like there's obviously like steel shafts, there's graphite, there's you know, can you like are you guys just doing drivers right now? Yes, but uh, but we're doing five different drives. The, the five key traces in golf are a Z trace. A, a guy like uh, uh, Bubba Watson would have a Z trace. Uh, right. Justin James. Uh, then we have a heel to toe trace, uh, uh, which is the pressure goes from the trail heel straight to the lead toe. Then we have a fisher trace, uh, which is that's the, uh, the third least most powerful trace. And then we have the lateral and linear traces, which basically go straight back, kind of up a little bit, and straight forward, and then linear. But what's interesting is uh, you're one of the guys that you like, John Daly, he's linear. And John Daly can still hit it 340. Um, and then we get a guy like uh, like like uh, Baba that's a Z trace. He also can hit it 340. But they have total different ways of loading and unloading the pressure in that shaft. And if they use the wrong shaft, they won't optimize the distance and or the accuracy that they can get from that shaft. So one of the things that a lot of people don't know, and and, and I when, when we were at Jazz Golf, we were building our own shafts in Lincoln, Nebraska. We were partners with a company called Spirotech. So I'm basically going back to my roots in 63. Maybe I've got four or five more good years. This will be the last project I do in golf. Um, Wine track's been fun. It's been a great way to learn how to, uh, to teach, to help pros learn how to teach. But Canada was slow. And, you know, if I was going to criticize or make a complaint or, or make a suggestion, we offered the CPJ of Canada body track 10 years ago to this month. And they basically said, well, maybe, but not quite yet. And that's always amazed me how Canada, we can develop technologies. There's so many technologies that have been developed in Canada. And we end up going to the States and other parts of the world to, to get it out there first. But that's going to change with coaches like Derek Ingram, Canada's Olympic golf coach, uh, men's coach, Tristan Malale, uh, out your way, the women's golf coach. We work with all of them. And those two guys are early adopters. They, they can't pull the market. Uh, your buddy is using, um, that you caddied for, is using BioTrack. We probably have about 500 customers in Canada, but we have 7,000 customers additional to that worldwide. Right. And, um, but Canada, Canadians, you know, it's only recently, and, and, and I don't spend a lot of time in Toronto. Uh, not that I don't like it. It's just that I've, 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 I've lived in Winnipeg. Um, I live currently in Charlottetown. Um, I've never been a, a, a hangout in Toronto guy. Um, and, and you know, and no offense to anybody in Toronto, and, and send me as many hate emails as you wish. You're not the center of the universe. Um, cities like New York, Chicago, uh, they are, and you're not even close to it. No, Terry, I got I, I got I to tell you, my wife and I, um, we were in Charlottetown. Uh, we went down east uh, the year before, the summer before last, and we've already planned our retirement down there. So you are definitely not wrong. I think a lot of people in this area have the same feeling that uh, – Charlottetown is um, like we've traveled a little bit. Like we've been to like Iceland. Iceland's very cool, but like Charlottetown oh. is is it felt like it felt like home. We stayed at the uh, I think it was called the King George, 
And, um, like it was just up from the, uh, the strip there and we love driving around. Unfortunately, I didn't get to play any golf in PEI. Um, yeah. so when I was, uh, like, like I said, I was chatting with some of the guys who were going down to play in the events and, uh, they were really looking forward to it. Neither one of them had been there. So, um, they were really looking forward to going and checking out Charlottetown. So I let them know as well that I can say confidently the lobster barn in Victoria PEI is <laughs> the best Lobster roll in all of Canada. So, what you do the next time you come to PEI for any length of time, and this is kind of unique. And keep in mind, I'm a flatliner from Manitoba. You go to you go to the superstore, okay, and you order them and you buy them boiled, and you bring it home to your apartment room, much like you would buy uh, pre-made sandwiches, and it's the best thing you ever get. Yeah. And the thing is, the guys out here they eat them cold, eh? Yep. You know, we're, we're used to eating them kind of warm all the time. Not out here. They'll eat them, they eat them cold after they've been cooked. They're delicious. I, I absolutely loved it. And I've got a whole, um, the guy who does the intro so, uh, song for the show, his name's Rory Blackroy. And he really, uh, it's like a spinoff of Rory McElroy, but he really, um, loves lobster rolls as well. So I sent him this note that I had with probably two dozen in there. It's ridiculous. So, um, wanted to ask you though, Terry, you, when you're back in your playing days, you played on the Canadian tour a little bit, you mentioned. I played uh, five years on the Canadian tour. Um, you know, it was pretty good. I, uh, at the same time, I was running three stores, uh, finished 17th in the order of merit. It was my best year. I finished seventh on the, in the PGA championship, uh, finished second in an event, never won one. Uh, but, but you know, I, I was a good player. I had a great college career actually. Nice. Nice. That's uh, it's cool. Like I, like I'd mentioned, I wish I kind of, uh, took golf a little bit more seriously at the times that I needed to. So um, Bryce, who's uh, the co-host on the, on the pod here, his younger brother, Blake right now is going through kind of the junior ranks and um, we were able to play a couple of times recently. And, and I'm trying to encourage him to kind of take the game seriously because he is extremely good. Like we we're playing around at uh, Cope town up here, which is in Dundas and uh, or Cope town, Ontario. And I think he was like, it was it was pouring rain on us the whole time. I think he was plus six or seven on the on the front. Just couldn't make a putt. Just not having a good round. Buckled down. And I think he went five under on the back. And like that's that's kind of what I've seen with these players is like the ability to kind of like just you know kind of grit it and not like bite down and kind of get through the rounds, right? So it uh, is definitely it definitely cool to kind of chat with people who've had that kind of experience before. And I was able to speak with. Um, his name was Andy Walker. He's a 1997 NCAA uh, national champion, and and he is with VCU right now. But he had come on the podcast and was saying that he had played on the Canadian tour and how much he loved it. So uh, it was a pretty cool experience to get to uh, get the loop a little bit. Um, but I, I wanted to ask you: you um, have obviously like been able to play with a lot of great golfers, connect with a lot of people. I want to know your dream foursome. I love asking people this question. I feel like we learn so much about people. Um, I gave you a little heads up at the start of the conversation, but uh, this typically can stump people. So it doesn't have to be golf related whatsoever. And it has not been in the last few, uh, last few conversations, but if you were able to play golf, who would be your dream for, uh, for some Terry? Sir Nick and John Daly. (laughs) (laughs) Good answer. The squares team. Good answer. I love it. And I've got a bib now from the Canadian tour. I was able to uh, take it home kindly. So I will pick up the bag and uh, I'll come and I'll just caddy for you guys. Cause I would love that. That would be, uh, I'd love to see you there. that would be amazing. Um, so are you still doing some work with uh, squares right now at all, Terry? 
We just uh, were down in New Hampshire. We stayed with Bob for two nights and his uh, lovely family. And uh, uh, yeah, we're going to continue on the program. We're going to we're going to keep on looking for new ways to help them design shoes. Now we, we we're nice. talking about. Uh, I've always been a big. What what got me excited about the program, Mac, was uh, about five years earlier we had developed the shoe fitting program using pressure mapping for foot joint. And I pitched them that you ought to have uh, a different shoe for your trail side than your lead side. They liked it, but they didn't know how to execute it. Bob's looking at how to do that right now without making a lot of changes. And your trail side is a completely different uh, uh, objective. It's different for your trail shoe than your lead side. And and we think that we may have come up up with a way, a clever way to help even enhance the existing benefits of square shoes. So okay. our relationship is continuing to grow. And um, and because we've developed new ways to fit shafts, they, they ride well with uh, squares and body track. But I got to tell you, uh, if I may, if I have 30 seconds, I want to tell you. Go for it. First Go. time I went to Oshawa. I don't. I don't know if you can tell, but you were just telling me that, and the wheels were were on video right now. So if anybody's uh, listening to this one, head over to YouTube because you could just see if you scroll thirty seconds back, the wheels were just turning when you were telling me that about uh, the the different shoes for your your lead side and your trail side. That was uh, that was pretty neat. Uh, that's definitely interesting. I like that. Well, it's it's a reality. Your your trail foot has a completely different role uh, than it does your lead foot. The entire purpose of the lead foot, the shoe should be to break. And your, your, your trail side's the lead side. It's got to get pressure to the lead side quick. Uh, you know, I'm a, uh, I'm a big uh, physiology guy. Uh, I can't even look at my swing when I was, uh, you know, in my 20s and early uh, 30s and even can recognize it. It's just so different than what I do now. But yet, um, the pressure pattern can still be optimal uh, regardless of your physiology. And what's really unique about pressure mapping is there is a optimal pressure trace and all 100% of all the tour winners in their irons have a similar trace nearly nearly verbatim yet their swings look totally different of course so their physiology is different so they get there differently but the trace is the same so it's the only common denominator in golf period to optimize your your play and Square Shoes does an excellent job of helping you optimize that pressure pattern. And that's something that really can't be stressed enough and or overlooked. All right. So we got to hear this Oshawa story. Let's hear it. All right. So I was trying to qualify for the Canadian Open when I was in and around uh, 18. And I was staying at my aunt's house in Toronto, and we were playing at the Toronto uh, Country Club, uh, which is a, we had to take, you know, my aunt was, she made me take the gold train and we took it out there. And then coming back after a, a, a tough, grueling round, I think I shot 73, I didn't make it. I fell asleep, and I ended up in Oshawa, and, and I was only like 18. And I'll never forget the guy, because I didn't have a lot of money on me, and I had my golf clubs in me, and I had a bright orange and red shirt. I'll never forget it, because I always like nice shirts. And the guy said, well, just sit on the train, we'll get you back to, to the gold station, or to the central station. And the people on Oshawa treated me really nice. I was just like 19 on the outside. And I never forgot Oshawa, how good the people were. Because at that time, the gold train stopped in Oshawa. I don't know if it still does or not, but that's the truth. You know what? It still does. And uh, I'm I'm about 
15 minutes uh, east, and they're just working right now to develop it uh, to come further. But that's a pretty cool story. I like that one. That's uh, uh, I've heard that from a few people that they've fallen asleep and missed their stop, whether that be like after a Jays game or a night out at a concert, having a couple pops or whatever. But that is a great segue. I know you have not tried it yet, Terry. I'm going to try and find a way to get you some down in, uh, in PEI. But we have a swing oil segment hydrated by Triple Bogey Brewing. So you're pretty familiar with the area. They are founded uh, by Jeff Tate and his uh, team, his family, the great team at Triple Bogey, um, do a lot of good work. They're in a lot of courses around Canada, heading down to the States now. And uh, it's Golf's Beer up here, just in London, Ontario. So you'd be pretty familiar with that area. Well, that's awesome. Yeah. Good, good luck. To triple bogey that's fantastic yeah they are uh they are a great beer team so uh i just want to ask you a couple questions you can fire an answer back at me don't think sure. too much about them and then uh and then we can let you go because i know you probably got a great sunset to watch down there in pi right now Sounds good. have you ever had a hole in one yes and i've only had they all were in competition how many have you had three three okay can you tell me a little bit about the first one First one was a one iron at, uh, to win my first Manitoba Amateur. I shot uh, nine under. One, I think I won by twenty-seven strokes that tournament. <laughs> or 20, Twenty-five strokes that tournament. Uh, the, uh, the second one was at the Pew uh, School Qualifier, um, and the third one was also at a Pew School Qualifier. Nice, right when it matters too. That's that's awesome. Yeah. That's great. Um, favorite course in Canada? Uh, tough question. I'm going to take. Um, the national. Okay. All right. I like it. I like it. I think that was Carlo Koliakovo. So Carlo used to play for the Leafs, and I think that was the one that he had mentioned as well. Favorite club in your bag? Is, is, is it this one iron? No, no. <laughs> I actually, I have a six wood that I've held on to for many years. Okay. I've been using a five and a six wood when they weren't popular since a little boy. I've always liked to have that utility club in my bag, and, and it's called a troubleshooter. It's an original jazz troubleshooter. And it'll never leave my bag as long as I'm playing golf. Love it. Okay. Favorite golf shoes? Squares. What a, what a layup. Mine too. Mine too. Thank you so much, Terry. Uh, this is Terry Hashimoto, and that is the Swing Oil segment, hydrated by Triple Bogey Brewing. Thank you so much, Terry. We got to get you some of those down there because uh, if you're if you're having a pop, I know we're having right, one right now. But uh, I'm sure Jeff's trying to make his way down to Atlanta, Canada, and uh, he's the the uh, founder of Triple Bogey. So um, I'll let him know. I'll let him know. We got to get I some down there. It, Mac. Thank you, and congratulations on your success and all Triple Bogey. Uh, we're glad to send you some uh, muscles in exchange for the beers. Great on you. <laughs> perfect, perfect. So before I let you go, uh, Terry, can you let us know um, if anybody's got any questions for you? I know you guys are just getting into your you're kind of developing the uh, the shafts, or if anybody wants to ask you about the body track or the square shoes, how do we get a hold of you? Well, in either case, swingbalance.com. Uh, swing balance, uh, spelled the way they are meant to be spelled, all one word, dot com. Um, got a contact a location there and address there. You can just reach out to me. I get back quick. Um, I don't sleep and I'm going to drink a lot of triple bogeys when I get them. <laughs> That's perfect. That's perfect. I will, uh, what I'll do, um, Terry is when I post up this episode, it should be up within the next couple of weeks. I'll put a link, uh, down in the bio. So anybody listening to this, if they want to go check it out, um, you said they were being manufactured in Canada. Yeah. By Love, Acre, it. In Love it. So, so it's a good story. Yeah, anybody uh, who wants to uh, check out a bit more of them, I will post a link uh, down below us in the bio. And, uh, of course, thanks for following OTS Golf on Instagram. Hey, no, I appreciate it. 
appreciate that, Mac. Thank you very much, and, and, and continued success. He's out in my ball and of course so I tee up I lose the ball and I re-up I miss the fairway, I probably end up in the ocean Or maybe the beach And I'm on a part five and I'm finna go reach it Second was blind, I ain't see it Feel like it might be an average